Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, friendly friends? This is Dr. Devin Tan. Welcome to the Hadu Wisdom Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if this is your first time here, um, I guess what we talk about is mental models that helps you in your parenting life and life in general. Uh, frameworks to help you navigate the tricky trickiness that is life. Who am I? I'm a forensic, I'm a child psychiatrist, I'm a dad, and the host of the Huddle Wisdom Podcast. Um, if you like the show, you know, make sure you, you like it <laughs> uh, on whatever platform that you're using, share it, um, and just leave us a review as well. It you know, helps us to increase our visibility and reach more people. Today I'm going to be talking about why I think empathy can be your secret weapon. Secret weapon for what? I guess lots of things. It can help you to improve your existing relationships and also improve your future relationships. It can improve the way you lead others, increase your influence, make you more effective as a parent. Um, teacher, a friend. So I want to also address a few things in this episode, you know, what is empathy, what it is not. It's obviously something that, um, uh, that, that I've talked about a great deal of, and there is a lot to talk about because there, there are nuances and subtleties about this concept, this construct, idea, way of being um, with empathy that isn't, that, you know, there's more to it than meets the eye, so to speak. Uh, a lot of people have their own impressions about empathy, but I think when they really think about it, um, they have a very surface level understanding of what it actually entails. So... I want you to think about two people, you know, they're equal in every way. Skill, physical characteristics, um, temperament, personality. But one person happens to be more empathic. The chances are the latter will be much more influential in his or her world. You know, if they're both leaders in the business world or education space or at home, um, you know, they're a mom or dad, uh, the more empathic one will be the more influential uh, over a period of time. Okay, I think that's the other thing that people don't realize. I think empathy within relationships compounds over time because relationships take time to um, uh, to to fully form and to establish a, a firm trust between people, it takes time. Okay, I think that's one of the problems with a lot of programs and workshops and workplaces that um, that happen a lot these days. Um, you know, you have an external consultant come into your workplace. Or if you're a parent, you go to a workshop, a seminar, what have you, and people give you these tools. You know, this is what you need to do to 
to be effective as a leader, as a parent, with empathy. But it's, it's not a one-shot um, thing, you know, and it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. No, actually, it is. But, <laughs> but there's a little bit more than just, you know, here are a few tools. It's, it's an attitude, it's commitment to a relationship, and it's also mindset. Um, all these things we talk about on this podcast. Um, subscribe to my email list as well, and, and it'll help you out. I, I truly believe it will. Um, you learn what it actually means to be empathic, to be influential, truly influential in people's lives. Okay, so going back to those two people, right? Um, you wonder, uh, the person who happens to be more, more empathic, do they have more skills than the other person? You know, are they, do they have some attributes about them that are particularly potent and um, powerful, influential? Not, not really, um, because when it boils down to it, uh, the way to become empathic and influential is through um, your attitude, through your mindset. So it's not so much a trait, although some people may find it more natural to adopt um, the, the mindsets, the attitudes um, that, that, that I espouse and harp on about on and on again here on this podcast. Um, you know, most of us will have a sense of what empathy means, like I was saying earlier, you know, and if you think about uh, your own experiences of being on the receiving end of an empathic response, you feel seen, you feel heard, understood, and there's a certain attractiveness about the person that you're engaging or interacting with, right? Um, they seem to have some kind of influence. I'm not talking about something nefarious or malicious or maligned, right? No, it's not manipulation. It's just that there's something about them that makes you want to be around them a lot more. Even when there's this agreement, you know, they've, they've somehow managed to keep a connection with you that sustains the relationship. Um, and, and what that is, is through this construct, this mindset of empathy, being empathic. It's possible to turn off our empathy or suppress your empathy in order to get certain tasks done. For example, you know, soldiers on the field, um, if you're a soldier, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to target you at all. Um, it, it's just the first example that comes to mind, and there may well be more examples. So I hope this is not offensive, because um, you know I fully respect and um, think that soldiers are very much needed in our world. But I'm just saying, in order to do some of the tasks that uh, the work of a soldier requires, it does... Um, I think at some points, 
and you have to turn off your empathy because empathy does cost something. There's an emotional cost. There's, it, it takes energy. Um, and humans don't have infinite amounts of energy. You know, we have finite resources. So we have to conserve. And, um, and or if you think about um, doctors, like doctors giving bad news, like, um, you, you know, I think we, we obviously have to be empathic, but some, sometimes when we're doing very difficult um, procedures, um, if we're constantly, to, if we've constantly got our empathic um, uh, channels open, uh, the cost to us is that we burn out a lot quicker than, than we should. Um, having said that, we can protect ourselves somewhat with a skillful rebalancing of our empathic outputs. And um, you, you learn about this from me in the podcast if you listen along. Uh, and also, you know, uh, uh, our resources helps you to do that. So go and check that out. Uh, so we can develop it, we can harness it, and we can direct it in the right way so that we don't burn out and we maximize other people's outputs as well through our influence with our empathy. So let me tell you how to activate this software. Because we, we all have the hardware to empathize. We, we all have the ability to do it. But we can increase our capacity and our effectiveness with practice, concerted practice, deliberate, intentional practice. And you have to want to do it. It does require some sacrifice of time and energy. Okay? And it does also mean you have to test out a few things and you have to fail a few times. If you've never done this sort of work before, um, you, you can't be expected to be very good at it to start off with. Okay? Um, but you get there with practice. Just like any skill, it takes practice. You know, people often ask me, can empathy be learned? And the answer is yes and no. So everyone has some empathic capacity. But to, to use it well um, takes experience and time. Time, effort, a lot of self-reflection. That's one of the components of becoming ex expert at empath empathizing is self-reflection. Um, again, a lot of workshops and seminars, I believe, fail to address this point. In order to be empathic, you have to also know yourself. It sounds a little bit strange to say it like that, you know, because... Devin, aren't you saying that we should be empathic, which is an outward thing? Well, not necessarily. It's both. It's outward and inward. 
in order to read the room, you have to be aware of the inflows and outflows of information between people. Because um, with people, it's about relationship, and relationship is to and fro. It's not just one way. Nothing moves in just one direction. You know, th there's always a pushback, a response, a reaction. And so you need to be aware of your own responses and reactions to someone else and monitor that and track that. It takes a lot of energy to start with, just like with learning any skill. There's lots of levers to pull, you know, lots of gears. You have to change gear depending on the terrain, you know. Um, you have to um, make sure you're not, you're not pushing down too much on the gas. Sometimes you take off the, you know, take your foot off the gas, you apply the brake, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of um, reading of the terrain as you move through an interaction with someone. And you might be very good at reading someone, but not very good at, your, at reading your, your, yourself, that, that then you're not going to be very effective in the interaction because you're going to miss the mark. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So um, some years ago, I was working for an organization where they brought in this external consultant to talk about how to improve your interactions with colleagues. And they would give us stock standard phrases to use when uh, you're faced with a problem. And I, they gave us... Uh, this acronym, I, I can't quite remember what it was, but um, the idea was if someone brings to you a problem that they have with you, um, this is the acronym you, you use in order to address that conflict, right? And you go step by step. Um, you know, without fail, you have to go through each step one by one. Right? The problem with that approach, I mean, it's good to have a structure, yes. But the problem with that approach is that it doesn't account for the myriad ways in which someone's going to respond. And if you just apply a very rigid structure to human experience and uh, interaction, uh, you're going to miss the mark, okay? Long and the short is that that seminar did not, <laughs> it did not reduce the number of personal grievances in that organization over time, okay? People still complain, people are still unhappy with their bosses. Their bosses applied the acronym to, <laughs> and, and it sometimes made things much worse, okay? Not just personal grievances, but bullying, you know? condescending, um, my boss was condescending, they used this weird acronym, this, it was, it just didn't help me, okay, anyway, so you have to self-reflect, you have to self-monitor as you start to learn um, how to empathize properly, because um, in order for a person to feel seen, heard, understood, uh, they need to know that you're really following along with them. And um, 
in order to follow along with them, you have to self-monitor. Make sure that you're not jumping to conclusions, you're not um, uh, being overwhelmed by emotions that you might be feeling in response to what someone else is bringing to you. Um, you know, you want to be able to recognize a whole lot of things that happen within yourself um, and then use that data uh, to make sense of what's going on um, in front of you. So, <clears throat> I don't want to confuse you. Uh, there's a lot that goes on. But what I was wanting to do is to tell you how you can activate the software. How you can activate the software to make the hardware work for you. <coughs> Excuse me. The first step is to visualize and use your imagination. This is only the start. You know, you have to force yourself to feel what the other person might be feeling. What do you imagine them to be experiencing from moment to moment basis? From one moment to the next moment. Think of it, think of it like dancing. You're dancing with your partner and you have to kind of sense where their movements are. It's a bit awkward at first. You know, there's some missteps. You might step on toes. Uh, but... Like dancing, it takes practice. It takes practice. Once you learn the moves, you, you practice it live with another person. After a while, it becomes more natural. But, but you have to do it. You have to practice it. It's not just learning a few things and then... Uh, sorry, I learned a few acronyms and then away you go. Um, it requires a lot of self-reflection, feedback... So it's a bit like dancing. Not only can you experience what the other person experiencing is experiencing, but you can also, but you also need to know how to validate the other person so that they feel understood, seen, and heard, and that they they matter. Okay. Um, so imagination and visualization is an extremely powerful tool. Just like when you're practicing um, uh, for, for sports or, or dancing or anything, um, you put yourself in that situation um, and you visualize, you imagine. You don't only have to do this outside of a game. You can also do this within the game. You can still visualize and imagine because the mind is extremely powerful. Believe me, it sounds strange, but this is what I want you to start doing. Um, in a minute, I'm going to stop talking because this idea um, in itself is something that you can spend a great deal of time with um, reflecting on and, uh, and experiencing and, and practicing. This idea of visualizing, using your imagination to get a sense of what the other person is feeling. What do you want to imagine them feeling? You want to imagine how they are feeling in that moment in response to their internal processes. But you also want to imagine what they are feeling in response to your responses, the things that you say. How does what you say affect them? 
So you're constantly monitoring and imagining what they could be feeling. But with that, you always have to fact check. Okay, if this is the first time you're doing it, you need to fact check. I imagine, my friend, that right now you're feeling a bit confused. Is that right? Did I get that right? I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Please help me to understand uh, what you meant when you said, said that after I told you this. Because um, I don't want to, I want to make sure I've been listening and, and, and hearing with the right ears, um, my friend. Um, so, you know, you're constantly engaged and invested in the in, in, interaction. You're not just going through the motions. You know, you're not just applying an acronym uh, because you want you want to hit the mark, and it, how you hit the mark involves a little bit of target practice. Yes. So, you, so you you might be able to get into the ballpark. Yes. So, my friend, I um, am I, I sorry. Just pause there. I, you you seem a little bit confused by all of this. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Um, and now I'm going to be a bit more precise. You know, so was it something that I said just now that that kind of caused a bit of confusion, or did the confusion come suddenly, or was it always there? Um, am I doing a good enough job um, explaining this to you? Uh, maybe I'm not. Um, give me some feedback. It'd be great to find out. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> you know, I think it's important to continue to refine the information. Um, uh, for yourself. But you're not going to be able to ask the right questions if you're not visualizing and imagining, self-reflecting, thinking about what the other person's feeling, imagining what the other person's feeling, experiencing in response to you. But you also have to monitor yourself. Okay? So th there's a downside to all of this, of course. This work costs personal energy and you need to ensure that you restore yourself, recuperate, the first time you do this, if you're introvert especially, man, it takes a lot of energy. Introverts, I am with you. I'm an introvert as, as well, believe it or not. Um, I can extrovert, but I crash afterwards. You know, I, I'm useless afterwards. I, I need my own space to recuperate. Um, but... Let me tell you this, empathy paves the way for trust, and that goes a long, long way. You know, when you're trying to give someone constructive feedback, you're more effective if you're an empathic person. But it takes time to build this up. If you don't earn trust first, you're not going to get to see someone's best performance. Because they're not going to want to perform for you, because they don't trust you. Because you're not good at empathizing in the way that I mean it to be. You may end up with a personal grievance instead. Empathy is one path that can help you build the sort of trust that you want in your professional and personal lives. So how do we do it, Devin? Uh, first step, visualize, imagine, self-reflect. Follow the Huddle Wisdom community and you will learn a thing or two, I think. I believe, um, encourage you, you know, opt in here, uh, hop onto the website huddlewisdom.com 
sign up for our stuff, we'll send you emails, updates, news, tips, all that sort of stuff, podcast summaries. Um, it's free. So go sign up for that stuff. Um, and hey, if you found this episode helpful uh, in your life and you think it's going to help someone else, please share it around. Um, and if you could do something for me real quick as well, please pause the, uh, the audio right now and leave a review. Five-star review, please. That would be great. Thank you. Because uh, that just increases our visibility. And um, I used to think it didn't, but apparently it does. Um, so anyway, yeah, please do that if you can. That would be great. Um, and um, yeah, I will catch you next time, my friends. Uh, lovely to have you here. Um, hope you go well. Send us your feedback about how you think this is going. Go onto the uh, Facebook page as well and just leave some comments on there. Don't forget the hashtag, Huddle Wisdom. Um, hashtag parenting, mental models. Um, you know, leave us some comments. Tell us your stories. It'd be awesome to hear how you get on with this stuff. Okay, my friends, I have to go. I, um, yeah, I'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye.